Thank you. My special gratitude to all of you for being here this evening. Tadit Mataji Hare Krishna. This this particular weekend of this year there are many various spiritual communities having their festivals. The Jewish community is celebrating Passover. The Christian community, Good Friday, and today is Easter Sunday. Yesterday in Laguna Beach, the South Californian community celebrated Kor Purnima, the appearance of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and the whole of Iskan is celebrating this year the 50th anniversary of Srila Prabhupada coming to the West and establishing the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. With your permission, I will attempt to explore some parallels between these various spiritual events. In the Jewish community Passover, I guess it begins with the beginning of creation like everything in this universe. Abraham was a dear child of God. His son was Isaac. His son was Jacob, who was also named Israel. And there were 12 sons of Israel. One was Joseph. And somehow Joseph was betrayed by his own brothers, and he ended up in prison in Egypt. But he transformed a blessing and a curse into a blessing, and soon he was very affluent and very powerful and brought his whole family to Egypt. And his community prospered. But after some generations, the pharaohs of Egypt decided that the children of Abraham, the Hebrews, should be slaves. They were made slaves. They were used, they were abused. And after some generations, because they kept growing, it was decided that the firstborn of all the Hebrews would be killed. So there was a mother who had a child, and his name was Moses, and she didn't want him killed. So she put him in a basket and had him float in a river. And his sister, Miriam, he was the first son, she secretly followed him. The Pharaoh's daughter was at the riverbank and discovered this little baby in a basket 
and fell in love with him and took him home and he became a prince. Nobody knew where he came from. But he had certain inclinations and when he grew to be a young man, he saw some of the Egyptian guards beating a Hebrew slave and he fought with the person and killed him and then he was a fugitive and he went into the desert. He married the daughter of, was it Joshua or something? But he married and he became a shepherd. And while taking his sheep around, God appeared to him in a burning bush and commanded him to free the Hebrews from slavery and bring them to the promised land across the sea. So he didn't know how to do that. (laughs) But God said, I will be with you. So he went and challenged the Pharaoh, let my people go. And obviously if you have tens and thousands of slaves, you don't want to just lose them. So he refused. So by the influence of God, there were ten plagues that struck Egypt one at a time as warnings that he should free the children of Israel. And he, the Pharaoh would get, um, he would get the message, but then he would change his mind. Bhagavad Gita says the mind is very flickering. It's very hard for it to be resolved on anything. So ultimately the tenth plague He was warned, if you don't free these people from slavery, the eldest child of every family will die. So all the people of the Hebrew community, they put a sign in front of their house and the angel of death walked by every house and kill the, the eldest child of every family, including the pharaoh's prince. But the Hebrews, nothing happened. The angel of death passed over their homes. That is Passover. So at that point, the pharaoh was really in despair, and he said, go, get out of here, bring everybody take them. So all the slaves of the Hebrew community left and then the Pharaoh changed his mind again and sent armies, militaries, chariots to bring them back. And they were trying to escape and they came to the sea. Wide sea. They were helpless. They prayed. And by God's grace, the sea opened and they crossed the sea. 
And the Pharaoh's army came charging after them. You know, and everybody of the Hebrew community actually went to the other side, to the land of freedom. The sea closed and destroyed everyone. Many generations later, Joseph and Mary gave birth to Jesus. And he became a really good teacher and had so many disciples. And the Roman Empire became very upset with him, as did others. And during Passover, they had the Last Supper, celebrating Passover, when his ancestors, not only the angel of death, passed over their homes, but they passed over the sea into freedom. And the next day in Gethsemane, Jesus knew that he was going to be crucified and tortured. And he offered a prayer to his Father, his Father in heaven, God, and prayed, please take this cup away from me, this cup of suffering. But then he expressed surrender, Sharanagati. Let your will be done, not my will. That's principle of bhakti. Not my will, but your will, my Lord. Let that be done. Let me be an instrument of your wish, of your compassion. And then on Good Friday, he was tortured and he was crucified. And on what is celebrated on Easter Sunday, he rose from his tomb. So these two religions are very much based on these holy days. They're the holiest of holy days in many ways. In our tradition, Srila Prabhupada, in 1922, he was in Calcutta when he first met his Guru Maharaj. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada. And he was given this instruction. Take the message of Lord Chaitanya, the message of Krishna consciousness, all over the world in the English language. At the time, India was kind of enslaved by the British Empire. They were subjugated. And the biggest um, propaganda and interest of 
the Indians, was to follow Mahatma Gandhi, or especially in Bengal, Subhash Chandra Bose, <clears throat> to somehow or other get freedom. We see through the ages, this is always such a dear subject in people's hearts, generation after generation, is for freedom. Whether it be national freedom, civil rights freedom, freedom of subjugation, of persecution, of the discouragement of the human spirit. So there were millions of people following Gandhi and Bosch joining the freedom movement. And Abhay Charan then, Srila Prabhupada, said to this great saint he was meeting for the very first time, he said, first, before people of the world will take seriously the message of the Vedas, India should be a free country. Let us fight for our freedom first. And Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur said that political parties will always change. One nation rules over another. The real freedom everyone is yearning for is freedom from birth, old age, disease, and death. We are all enslaved by the illusions of Maya, by the illusions that are perpetuated by our own mind and senses. To overcome that is true freedom. Freedom from the influence of time, Dukalaya Mashashwatam, Gita says, that this world is a place where there's so much fear because everything is temporary. And we're always trying to hold on to what we have or who we have. We love someone, and inevitably time will take he or her away. We love something and inevitably that will be taken away. Our own body will be taken away. And the mind is changing at every moment. We have a happy moment, and then we're miserable and in anxiety. What is freedom? Even in a free country, politically, so much depression, so much violence, crime, anxiety, disease, death. Real freedom is spiritual freedom. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, Krishna consciousness, forgetful of our relationship with Krishna, that we are eternal souls forgetful of the love of Krishna for us and our love for Krishna is the very source of all problems. 
And Krishna consciousness, God consciousness is the only solution. So take this message to the world and give freedom. It was in 1965 that Srila Prabhupada left Vrindavan, the spiritual world. We could call it our promised land. He left it. And he boarded an old cargo ship to cross a sea. In the Old Testament, people tried to get out of slavery by crossing the sea to the promised land. Prabhupada was a liberated person. He left the promised land of Vrindavan, the spiritual world, to cross the sea to give us freedom. And while at the Arabian Sea, he endured two heart attacks. There were storms on the sea. Srila Prabhupada wrote in his diary that as the waves were smashing the boat and the rains were pouring down and there was nothing around except water, he said, it, it seemed that I was on a little matchbox in the middle of a stormy ocean. But then Krishna appeared to him in his various incarnations. And Krishna manifested a form where he was, he was rowing the boat to safety. And Srila Prabhupada understood everything would be all right. The material world is considered to be an ocean, an ocean of illusion, the sea of birth and death. And how, what is it that Separates us? What is this sea that separates us from real spiritual freedom and happiness and love? It is ahankar, the false ego. The most powerful force in all of creation is the false ego. Krishna tells in Bhagavad Gita, Daivi Yeshuguna Mai Mama Maya Duratyaga Mame Bami Prabhupadyante Maya Beta Duratita. This material nature is very difficult to overcome. Trying to surpass our own false ego is like trying to swim across a massive endless sea. Padam padam yadvi padam There's danger at every step. But the Srimad Bhagavatam says when we take shelter of Marari, when we take shelter of Krishna, then that ocean, that sea of material existence becomes reduced to the quantity of water contained in a small calf's hoof print. 
That's by grace. We were referring to the Old Testament when the Hebrew slaves crossed. They couldn't cross the sea, but by a grace, by a power beyond their own, it opened up for them because they took shelter. And here was the predominating powers of the Egyptian empire with the best chariots and the best weapons and the best intelligence. And nothing could save them from being drowned in the sea. Beautiful parallel. Srila Prabhupada explains that when Ram was fighting against Ravana, Ravana had the most powerful soldiers, the greatest weapons, and the most sophisticated facilities for battle. And all Ram had was a group of monkeys with sticks. But because they had the grace of God, they could cross the ocean. (laughs) They could cross the sea and be victorious. So however much wealth we have, however much fame, however much physical power, however great our weapons, nothing could help us to cross the ocean of bondage and the sea of the false ego. Only by God's grace. Only by Krishna's grace. Unless we truly humble ourselves, take shelter of the Lord, and take shelter of the holy name of the Lord, it is impossible. The the ego will bewilder us, deceive us, and keep us in total slavery to the body, the mind, the senses, and yet deceive us so much to think we're free. It's like having a noose around our neck and somebody pulls us and we think, I want to go there, I'm free. And they pull you another way and you say, I want to go this way too. And you pull another way, yes, yes. I am a macho man, I will go this way. But actually enslaved by the senses, enslaved by the mind, enslaved by the ego. And the beginning of freedom is when we recognize that I'm a slave. <laughs> Because you won't even make any proper efforts for freedom unless you know. And then when you see the obstacles against you, when you see that ocean in front of you, you realize it's impossible. But when we humble ourselves and call out the name of God and take shelter, Sharanagati, the supreme ultimate power, is Krishna's grace, divine grace. So Parashila Prabhupada left the spiritual world and crossed the sea and passed over 
our conceptions of death just to give people all over the world life. To give the opportunity of true freedom, liberation, prema bhakti. And when he was asked by his guru, Maharaj, to take the message of Lord Chaitanya to the whole world, Srila Prabhupada had so much confidence, so much faith. Recently we celebrated Gaur Purnima. I happened to be in Honolulu, Hawaii. Why I was there, it's a long story. And Panchatat was there, so I thought this is very nice. I was thinking, in Mayapur today, at Srila Prabhupada, Hare Krishna Temple, there's over a million people coming. In Mumbai, in Vrindavan, in Hyderabad, and, and so all over the world, I've been Gorpurnima in Moscow, there's tens and thousands of people coming. There's about 450 major temples now. And there's temples in some tens and thousands of homes. And millions of people are celebrating Gorpurnima in this way. Lord Chaitanya's appearance day. But I thought back exactly 50 years ago from Gaur Purnima, 50th anniversary. Srila Prabhupada wrote a passage in his diary. We could all read it. It's there for us. He writes, today, according to the Vaishnav calendar, it is Gaur Purnima the appearance day of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And all of my God-brothers and my spiritual family, they are all in temples, in holy places, having kirtans together, having katas, spiritual discussions together, having beautiful festivals. But I am here he was in New York City. He said, I'm all alone. There's not a single devotee of Krishna within 10,000 miles of me. And he was thinking about how all his family and friends spiritually were having beautiful reunions and festivals together, and he was alone. But he said, but I am happy because this is the instruction of my Guru Maharaj. And it is the wish of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. There's a beautiful lecture that Srila Prabhupada gave. It was Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada's appearance day. 1971, Srila Prabhupada was in Gorakhpur, 
in the Bihar state of India. And this lecture, in a very special way, charmed my heart. Srila Prabhupada is speaking to an assembly of Indian people. He explains how he came across the sea and he was living in New York. He said, I had no means. I had no friend. I was wandering homeless like a vagabond. Those were his words. And he explained he was selling the sets of Srimad Bhagavatam's first canto, three volumes, from the time he came to New York. From the time he came to America in September. So for almost a year. And then there was a little storefront in 26 Second Avenue. And in this talk, Srila Prabhupada said all the money he had accumulated in all these months from selling his Srimad Bhagavatams, he used for the first month's rent for the storefront and a little apartment behind it. I think it was around $225. 75 for the apartment and about 150 for the storefront. And he didn't even have anything for the next month. But he took the chance with faith, with compassion. So when Srila Prabhupada was writing that 50 years ago, how he had nothing. And I was thinking 50 years later, what his influence, what his effect is throughout the world. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had a simple message. Although he supported this simple message with profound, comprehensive, deep, deep philosophy based on scripture, based on realization, His message was Jeev Jago, Jeev Jago, Goro Chandra Bole, Kota Nidra Jayomaya Pisa Chirakolai. Wake up, wake up, sleeping souls. You were under the enslaved captivity of Maya because you're asleep. Wake up to your own true eternal nature. What is bondage? Bondage is forgetfulness of who we really are. I believe it was Socrates. He was preaching about the spiritual dimension of life and it was disrupting a materialistic society 
So he was put in prison. He was sentenced to death. And the guard brought him poison hemlock to drink. And Socrates said, if you want to kill me, first you have to find me. The guard didn't understand. Najayate mariyate vakadachit. Nahanyate hanyamane sarite. For the soul, there is never birth, never death. The soul is eternal. Mamaivam so jiva loke jiva bhuta sanatana. The soul is part of God, part of Krishna. Ahambija pratapi. Achintya Beda Beda Tattva Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught. Like the ray of a sun has the same quality as the sun planet, heat and light. But the sun is always the source of the sun ray. And the sun ray is always just an infinitesimal part of the sun. Similarly, the Atma, the soul, is a part of Krishna. Nitya nityanam chaitanas chaitananam eko bahunam yoga dadati There is one supreme eternal, the Upanishads say, and there are infinite numbers of subordinate eternals, always subordinate to the one supreme eternal. In bhakti, we don't want to be one with God in identity. We want to be one with God in love. Through love we become one. We have no separate interests. We are conquered by God's love and God is conquered by our love and that oneness is the sweetest, highest, most beautiful, eternal experience. Satchit Ananda being a part of Krishna, we are eternal, full of knowledge and full of bliss. But what is that bliss? Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught Nitya Siddha Krishna Prema Sajja Kabunoy Sravanadi Sudhi Chiti That love for Krishna is within the heart of everyone. It's the Anandam Buddhivaradanam Pratipadam Bunamrata Svadanam. It's the ecstasy that we're all seeking. But we've forgotten it. We've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten what we really want in our life. We try to find the object of, 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 of the soul's love through so many temporary experiences. Religion comes from the Latin word religio, which means to be united. Yoga is a Sanskrit word, which means to reunite, to harmonize the body, the mind, with the soul. 
But how is it that the eternally liberated free soul is suffering, is confused, is fearful? Because somehow or other, due to the influence of the ego, we are spiritually asleep. We've forgotten our true identity. We're totally obsessed in this dream. So Krishna Consciousness, Prabhupada gives the definition, is the original natural consciousness in everyone. In everyone. It's not an imposition on the mind. It simply requires to be awakened. Krishna tells in Gita, again and again, I incarnate in this world. When there is a rise in irreligion and a decrease in religion. In other words, when Due to the power of the ego, people individually and collectively forget who we are, what we really want, and how to, how to reconnect with what we really want. And all the great spiritual teachers of all the great spiritual paths throughout history are trying to help us to make that connection to wake up in the Bible it is said what profited the person who gets the whole world but loses their own soul whatever you get in this world you will lose In this age of Kali, the chanting of God's names, Kirtan, Japa, is the most simple and powerful way of reawakening the soul, reawakening the love for God that is within us. And this is the essence and purpose of all religion. It's the essence and purpose of every form of yoga. Yoga is spreading through America in so many ways and throughout the world, even India. And for most people, yoga means asanas. But the whole concept of the asana comes from Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. It's one of eight limbs begins with yama niyama. You can't make any spiritual progress with asanas unless we live with character by following regulative principles to live with integrity, morality, and compassion. Ahimsa is one. Asanas, pranayama, Atyahara, dharana, dhyana, samadhi. 
These are different principles in which we gradually make progress. And they are all leading to samadhi, to liberation. What is liberation? Freedom. People are fighting for freedom in every way. But true freedom is samadhi in the terminology of Patanjali. And then he defines samadhi. Samadhi siddhir ishvara pranidhanat. The perfection of samadhi is to take shelter of, to surrender to Ishwara. Ishwara parama krishna satchidananda vikra. To surrender to Krishna, to God. Because it is only through that surrender that we could cross the sea of the false ego. It's only through that humble surrender that we could actually find freedom and real happiness. And then with our good bodies and our good minds, we have an eternal divine purpose. Seva, devotional service. So we could rise from the dead, we could rise from ignorance, we could cross the sea of bondage and find true freedom by awakening. And what do we find when we're awakened? Krishna tells, for one who sees me everywhere and everything in me, for that person I'm never lost, or they ever lost to me. When love for Krishna awakens in our heart, we see when we see Krishna within our own hearts, when he reveals himself, we will see everything as Krishna's sacred property. We will see everyone as Krishna's beloved children. That's yoga. That's harmony. That's happiness. Paramakaruna Pahunduijana Nitai Gorachandra. Lochandas Thakur sings this beautiful song. In Atlanta, Georgia, in the 1970s, Srila Prabhupada was giving Srimad Bhagavatam class. And the center deities or forms of the beloved Lord on the altar are Gornitai. And he sang this song. Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda are supremely karun, karuna. Karuna means mercy. It means compassion. Active, dynamic, intelligent, Directed compassion. 
not just a feeling, not just an action. Karuna is when our whole life is activated, motivated, unstoppingly toward helping to give freedom to others. That's compassion. Giving some freedom from hunger is the mode of goodness. Freedom from physical disease is also mode of goodness. Freedom from emotional turbulence is mode of goodness. But the deepest compassion is giving a person freedom from the illusion, from the ignorance that's causing all problems of life, that causes one to forget one's own eternal blissful nature forget our relationship with Krishna. Be all beautiful, all merciful. So they are paramakaruna, supremely compassionate. Tava avatara sara siromani kevala anandakanda. They're the essence of all incarnations, avatars. And they've given a process that is simply joyful. Kevala Ananda Kanda. It's blissful. Chanting, dancing, and feasting. And you're all waiting for the Sunday feast. (laughs) So I'm not going to be between your Ananda for too long. So simple. And Srila Prabhupada explained if we just follow this process sincerely, with sincerity, and without ulterior motives, Krishna will easily give the ultimate freedom of Prema Bhakti, eternal ecstatic love for the personality of God. So he sang this song and he looked at the deities and then he looked around him at us. He was looking at you and me, people from various parts of the world who just a few years before had no real conception or clue of morality or true spirituality and how these all these people were joyfully surrendering their hearts to serving God and just a few years before in his own words he was he had no no means no friend he was wandering like a vagabond There was not a single other devotee of Krishna in 10,000 miles. And he was seeing the happiness on everyone's face. He was seeing the freedom that everyone was moving toward. The mercy of Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda. He was watching. He never took credit for anything. 
he prayed to his guru and Sri Krishna when he was on that boat crossing the sea. Let me be a puppet. Let me be your puppet, Krishna, and make me dance as you want me to dance. So he's seeing the beautiful form of Krishna's Gornitai and seeing how through his sincere efforts, thousands of people were dancing. <laughs> and Srila Prabhupada closed his eyes and couldn't say a word. He was just so happy to see our happiness. He cried. The assembly of people in the audience never saw him like this. He was speechless. And when he finally opened his eyes in the ecstasy of such deep compassion for us, his class was just chant Hare Krishna. And everyone chant. Thank you very much. Shall we just chant Hare Krishna? Is there harmonium here? <laughs>